Welcome to Baseball Biz. This is Mark Carbett, and back here again with you once again with none other than my good, fantastic co-host, the prestigious prognosticator, Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for calling me prestigious. You give me a lot of credit. Yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a crazy, crazy week, like every week this season in baseball. I mean, we're going to take a look at a few different things this week, Brandon. I know that we said the 60-game season, what's really happened with it, where we're at. We were talking a week ago about the All-Star game and being in the midseason. We've gone past that. And then I know you brought something to my attention, too, a Sports Illustrated story on video and how that's being used or not used with everything that's going on right now with COVID compared to what was going on with Houston. Then we'll also talk a little bit about bringing back the bad behavior segment. And at that, we're going to be talking about uh, the Nets, GM Rizzo, what happened with him and Joe West the other day, players and their risk and rewards, things like our good friend Mr. Chapman from the Yankees, and looking what happened with Joe Kelly, and all the way looking back to people like Bob Gibson from the Cardinals. And, you know, is it lack of control? Is there, are they just tired or fierce? Those are some of the things we'll look at. We'll also pay respect to Mr. Lou Brock, who passed this this past week. Then we'll um, we'll take a look at the run the rundown, Brandon. You can share with us everything that's going on for the week and uh, what's going on with the games. It sounds like a good show to me. All right, man. The overview of this sixty game season been interesting. At this point, what we're finding out as of last week, there were over forty one games that have been postponed due to COVID-19. We've got some teams. Yeah, I mean, who would have guessed? Did you? I would never guess that many. Yeah, I honestly thought it, would, it was more because, you know, the Cardinals seem like they only they missed like a whole month, it seemed like, and then the Marlins in the beginning. 41, to me, actually sounds a lot better than what I thought it would have been. Yeah, likewise. I'm going to do a little more homework on that, but uh, that was the one I came up with. So I, I was a little surprised that it wasn't more like same with the Marlins and how they spread out across everybody else. And then games that were canceled because of somebody had known somebody who had had COVID-19. So it got pretty wild there. So we'll see how that plays. But yeah, I mean, if you look at this 60-game season, it's kind of funny talking about 41 games because that's about where some teams are right now. I think the Dodgers and Rays are just right at 40 or 41 that they've completed for the season. So they're two-thirds, at least two-thirds of the way through. Let's see. Da, 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 da. But as some teams have played as few as 18 in their 60-game season. But the Dodgers and Rays both are leading their league in percentage of wins. So that's that's uh, exciting times. And the expectation, I think, at the beginning of the season was not surprising to see the Dodgers there, a little more so to see the Rays. Yeah, the Dodgers, it wasn't really a shock. But the yeah. Rays, even though a lot of people expect them to be pretty good, I don't think they expected this level. Oh, what, you know, I mean, what are they going to do, man? I mean, looking at these double-headers coming up, it's going to be difficult. I mean, there's, I don't know how many double-headers they've got to play, but there's been a lot already. I know, like, what, next Friday, the Nats will be playing a double-header in Miami. That's just something that had to happen. And a lot of these teams really aren't getting a day off anymore for this season. And I don't think there's even a day between the end of this season and the playoffs. We can go more into that next week, because it but there's a lot that's happening there. We don't have any idea of what bubble or wherever. We do have a breakout on what the playoffs will look like, and we'll get into that next week. But, geez, and crackers, man, this is just getting to be nuts. Yeah, and thank you for a little bit of a tease for my rundown later on. We do have a lot of postponements, 
being made up in the coming weeks because there are only like three weeks left in the year. It is going to be interesting to see how it really does affect teams because, you know, even though it is baseball, it's not the most physically taxing sport. Playing a doubleheader does take its toll. And over time, not having those days off, it'll eventually catch up to you. No doubt. Absolutely. And in the rundown, I want to, I want to hear a little more too about the Yankees and the Blue Jays because there's been some interesting things going on there. But we can talk about that in the rundown as well. Oh, well, your wish is my command. I have plenty to say about that. Oh, gosh, I can't wait. <laughs> I did. Let's, but you brought up the whole thing on the story about video, that Sports Illustrated story you saw. And it is interesting to see what the fallout has been from Houston and the restrictions of use of video. I mean, it seems like now that the league is kind of tippy-toeing around what's happening compared to being wide open two years ago. What were some of the things they were talking about in Sports Illustrated about video this year? Some restrictions. Yeah, they and tippy toe really is the way to look at this because according to this article, the way they kind of painted it, they sort of are using, you know, social distancing and shutting out guys from the video review room. They're sort of using that. Maybe it originally was because of the Astros, but they're sort of like pointing it more towards, you know, the safety aspect of it. And a lot of guys really don't like it, like Javi Baez of the Cubs and J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox. They don't like it. Understandably, because that's what they usually do when you're in the dugout. There's only so much you can do watching the guy live. Because he uses the video. It's like how in the NFL and football in general now, or all sports really, how they have the tablets now. And when they're not on the field, they'll go back and look at the last drive or last plays that they did and see, hey, we did this right, they did this right, here's what we can do to maybe overcome that, and if we do it again, maybe it'll go in our favor. They still have a limited video review, but it's not up-to-date. It's from the old series, like when the Rays played the Yankees last week and say they were playing each other next week. They can't look at the video for the series next week. They can only go back on what they saw last week, so... Guys feel like they're sort of limited in what they can do and what they can learn. And they're sort of feeling like they're getting the punishment that the Astros should get. They're just caught up in the crossfire. Let let me ask you a question, because you brought up the NFL and the tablets they have on the field. Now, when they're on the field, are they looking live? Are they looking at the last play, like a replay right there? What, What are they doing uniquely in the NFL that they're not doing in the MLB? The NFL... I'm not sure how live it is, but I know that it's like they can they can upload it from the booth down to the sidelines so they can just look back at it. They used to just have it where it'd shoot down off of a printer and you would look at pictures. But, you know, technology, they eventually caught up and right. it's basically just you click on it, it'll play like the overhead camera or all 22, whatever you want to call it. And they just show the play again and they just look at it after that drive. And the biggest concern, though, with MLB right now is not even looking at the type of offenses with the uh, with the Astros, but like you said, the health. They, they don't want to have everybody coming into one video room. So I thought maybe, like you were talking about the NFL, maybe they could do something like that with the iPads, but evidently that's not something they feel, I think, probably equipped to do this season. I don't think there's room for a, a lot of that. So this, to me, it's kind of hard to criticize much about what they may or may not be doing in 2020 with that. 
uh, yeah, it'd be great to have access to kind of review how did I look when I was at bat when I was up there. What is that pitcher? How's he throwing in? What's his sequence? I can watch that without actually knowing what he's going to pitch with, just observing what happened. So I, I see the need for that. I talk, we've talked about earlier, just kind of tiptoeing around, and I think that's what they're going to do if 2021 is actually more than a 60-game season. So we'll see. It, it seems like it really is like convenient timing, you know, like coincidence. And I'm not trying to like dump on the Astros or MLB and anything, but it is like a really convenient timing for all of this to happen when you just had a major cheating scandal that involved replay, and now there's a virus going around, and they shut out or they shut down the video room. It affects everybody, and it looks like they're punishing everybody for one team. Yeah, well, we're going to have to see what happens, man, because it's, it's just been nuts. And COVID-19 has changed a lot of things. And no, and I mean, I said it is encouraging in that sense, and it's gotten better. I mean, at the beginning of the season, you know, I told you before about digging out my shovel and putting this, burying the season right away because I didn't think it was going to happen. I certainly didn't think that we would be seeing, being this much better than we were at the first week or so. Yeah, we were skeptical for a while, even before the season, whether it would even get off the ground. And even in the season, we were skeptical of it, if it would be able to keep going. And so far, it looks like everybody's following the rules. Uh-oh. It's time for the Bad Behavior 2 Awards. We talked about 2020 and bad behavior before, but now we're doing Bad Behavior Part 2. And why? Well, a big part of that is because this crazy season with only 60 games and the worst player of bad behavior has been COVID-19. Looking at the steps that MLB has had to try to take with this, I mean, the total number of monitoring samples they've collected thus far as about a week ago, anyway, is 103,668. Wow, that's a lot of people, a lot of tests. And 85 of these 103,668 samples had a 0.08%. Those have been new positives, okay? Man, I think the rest of the world, nobody wants to have those kind of positives at all, but if you got to have them, that ain't too terrible. So it was like earlier with the 41 games being postponed and these numbers of only 0.08% being new positive. That's actually really surprising and a lot better than what we thought it would be because we were skeptical whether you would be able to do this outside of a bubble. And it looks like now maybe you can do it without a bubble. And it, it, it actually is possible if you can put in the right rules and guys will follow it. It does look like it is possible. So I'm excited about it, man. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I would have thought this season would have been long dead after what we saw in the first few weeks of how things were going with COVID. But, you know, it's, it's much better. I mean, like I said, 55 of the 85 positives have been players. But see, also 30 have been staff members. So the impact of what's happening on the field hasn't been as great as when you just think of the 85. 21 different clubs have had a covered individual test positive during monitoring testing. And let's see. And then we talked about also previously on the bad behavior one of the biggest issues was some of the players who just disregarded the protocols. So we were talking about Zach Blesak. We were talking about Clevenger, uh, two guys who were with the tribe. Um, Blesak's still there and doing well. Clevenger, they just booted his little self, and he's doing well where he went. But the thing of it is they put other players in actually the whole season at risk. Yeah, and, and we we ripped on them a few weeks ago when this whole story came out about how you know they really – it was selfish and they really 
put everybody at risk. And a lot of, for the most part, everybody seems to be following the rules pretty good. Now you have those, some guys that go out there and ruin it for everybody, but thankfully they didn't test positive and they dealt with their punishment. It seems like it's kind of, I don't want to say blown over, but they've kind of moved on from it. I don't know what they've done internally, you know, whether guys have moved on with it or forgiven them or what, I don't know, but it just, it's gone a lot better than I thought it would be because I remember we would talk off air throughout the week and there were times we wouldn't know if that would be the last show where we were talking about actual baseball and then we'd be coming back talking about a dead season. Yeah. And I really thought that was a strong possibility too. When we had those conversations, I'm glad that's not the case, but okay. Let's, let's talk about the other bad behavior that's happening out there. Before we go further in baseball, I almost forgot there was there was an incident this weekend at the U.S. Open, right? Yes, the tennis open. I'm sorry, and I saw that on the tube, and I about fell over. You want to tell us a little more about that? I mean, I don't. I don't watch tennis. I saw the highlights of it. I don't know who really does watch tennis, anyways. <laughs> I'm throwing at you because you're the sports blitz one, dude. You you get hit with telling us about yeah. you. Yeah, I do my best. I got hit like like hitting the throw with a tennis ball. But I believe it's Djokovic, if I'm saying that right, I apologize if it's wrong. He was getting upset and he decided to, you know, just hit the tennis ball and ended up hitting a poor official right in the throat. Even though a tennis ball isn't the hardest object, it still hurts when you hit when you get hit by it, especially as hard as those guys hit it. It hurts and they ended up disqualifying him, throwing him out of the tournament because of that. And that was like the most talked about tennis has been in forever. Yeah. And the, the penalty, the penalty was huge too. Not just he couldn't participate more. He lost a quarter million dollars that was already in his pocket from what he did thus far. And they said, nope, nope, nope. I know you've been playing here for, you know, earning this much this, this week, but you ain't getting it. Sorry. Sorry. That's, you can go home. See you later. Bye-bye. Now that's the sort of punishment <laughs> that I can actually say, yeah, that makes an impact. <laughs> Is that guy going to do something stupid and, and knock a ball in the general direction of, of somebody on the side? No, I don't think so. I don't think that will happen again in his lifetime. He may be sorry, and he can say he's sorry, but a little pain and anguish in the pocketbook certainly makes a difference too. Yeah, at least he did seem remorseful for it right away when it happened. But it hurts even more when it hits your wallet. Oh yeah, I always love the the apologies that go something like, "Well, if I offended anyone, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. You know, it was really nothing on my part that I, I I meant to do or anything. But if if someone was offended by my remarks or the things that I've done, I'd like to apologize to them if I, they were offended. Otherwise, you know, forget it. But." <laughs> Those usually only come out when it hurts financially. That's it, brother. And that's what bothers me about baseball because we we talked before about Chapman and him throwing at the Rays, you know, hitting Mike Brasso out there with, or not hitting him, but just about hitting him in the head with a 101 mile or our pitch. You know, that's crazy insane. You know, and they didn't stop and take him out of the game after that. They let him complete. The rest of the inning, it was the ninth inning. There was two outs. Brasso had two strikes against him 
what in the hell reason would there ever been a need to be throwing a ball towards somebody's head? And then Chapman says, what, you know, later on say, oh, you know, it was unintentional. But, but what? One, Chapman did not come out for a press conference like most players are when they're, you know, something like that happened. He did, he avoided it. Two, once Brassell had that third strike and was walking away, Chapman starts walking toward, you know, Brassell there, he's walking over toward the whole raised dugout. What's he got to say? I can't imagine, but it wasn't, I'm sorry. You could tell that it was looking like he's putting a fierce eye on him. And more chirping came from over there for the Yankees. And, well, it's, I'm sorry. It's it's like the legacy of CC Sabathia there. Jeez and crackers. Well, I mean, first of all, the Yankees are whining over pitching inside. I mean, good Lord, come on. It's baseball. That's what you do. You pitch inside the hitters. You can't throw it down the middle every single time. What do you want them to do? It's not batting practice. And I can understand you get annoyed with it. Every other team does it, and I don't see anybody else complaining. You're talking about throwing inside, but you're not talking about beating them in the head. Yeah. I mean, throwing inside is completely different than throwing at somebody's head. Throwing inside is a strategy. Throwing at somebody's head is trying to hurt somebody. It's It can seem similar, but it's also something that is completely different in intent. And to me... It very well easily could have been an accident. I don't know for sure. We will never know for sure, probably. But the part that makes me lean towards him doing it intentionally was he almost hit the two guys before Brasso. (laughs) And as soon as the ball barely even bounced off of the backstop, and he was already walking towards home plate, sort of in the way like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. That that's to me is what makes it seem more intentional. Now, it's one thing if you were walking towards him right away, you know, saying, hey, I'm sorry, are you okay? I didn't mean to do that. That's different. But him walking towards him like he was ready to fight him, or or, what are you going to do about it thing, that to me is a little bit more erring on the side of intentional. I could be wrong, but that's just my opinion. No, I think it lends um, itself to that perspective. You know, a lot of times, whether you're right or wrong, whether you meant to or not, it's the image that you project, which can kind of give people to think you're innocent or guilty of something. And Aroldis Chapman didn't do himself any favors in that capacity. He did anything but that. You know, here's a grown man. He's 32 years old in the game. He knows better than that. Yes, I don't doubt that somebody who throws the speed that he has has the potential for a ball going wild, and and that can happen. But the way he addressed that particular situation, uh uh-uh. And then what? They hit him with a three-game suspension? And what bites my toenails? I don't know where they came from. What, <laughs> what, what absolutely drives me nuts is that the suspension actually is, is something that he's appealing, which there's nothing wrong with that. But when I see him, you know, the next game that the Yankees are playing and he's up there pitching, that just sticks in my crawl, you know. The appeal process should be immediate. You know, he could play another five or six games before they go through it. So I don't think it's been announced yet, you know, what he's going to have. Poor Joe Kelly, uh, for something probably not even as, as serious as this, he gets hit initially, what, with an eight-game suspension and bumped down to a six? But poor Joe Kelly, probably, he's probably not, nothing poor about him. But the bottom line is 
there's there's an inequity here. There's uh, no continuity whatsoever. What needs to be done? Yeah, and you sent me an article this morning from the New York Post, and it was Mark Teixeira talking about this. Who I honestly think he's a really good analyst. I wish he was on TV more. Yeah, he was talking about this and punishments for throwing at guys. And he said, quote, I've been so adamant about let's make sure that we actually have real punishments when you know that a guy threw at somebody on purpose up high. If you punish a player 10, 15, 20 games without pay for hitting somebody, I'm not giving up 10 games of my paycheck to settle a beef with somebody else. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, perfectly said right there. Uh, yeah, he, he did. And I, I, I'm like you, I'd like see him as a commentator and analyst more often. But yeah, that, that's it. I mean... Oh gosh. I think you remember back with CC Sabathia a couple of years ago and he was going to get hurt. We thought not because of penalty for throwing a ball at one of the rays, but because he got kicked out. He had a little special bump. If he hit, I think 153 innings, him getting knocked out. And it was at the end of the season at 151 innings. So yeah, he was going to lose like about a quarter million dollars, but, I am sure the Yankees found that that was, you know, that wasn't a penalty by the MLB. That was just something he was going to achieve and get paid by the Yankees. And you and I both know that the Yankees absolutely love Sabathia and they were going to go ahead and, and take care of that. That, that quarter million or whatever he had didn't go away. Unlike Javel Djokovic, which uh, had his quarter million go away immediately. I, I, I think there should be a penalty. I think Mark's right on what he's saying as far as you got to make a sting, man. You got to make it sting or they'll, they'll keep, keep doing it. Yeah. And especially with pitchers, you're limited on what you do every day. Like if you're a starting pitcher, you don't really affect the game until another five days later, sometimes longer. So if you're suspended five games and you're still getting paid, it doesn't matter yeah. or anything. It's like just moving your start back a day. I mean, you just, you sit at home and you, still get paid, that's not a punishment. That's just moving a start back. Well, like I said, there has to be something more substantial. Uh, MLB, this is a good time to figure all this out. I'm going to go down a little off the side here for a moment because I have my little whiny list, if you will, about things MLB needs to change. But first, take a peek. This is such a terrible year, but it also gives the MLB the opportunity to Try some different things. You know, the, the DH. Okay, that happened. The seven-inning games when you have a double hitter. Okay, that that understand it because you're playing game after game after game and really no time off. I think we'll keep the DH. I don't think we'll keep that uh, double header once we get back to a, quote, regular season, unquote. Yeah, the double header, I think that was kind of going to come anyways. The seven-inning double headers... I mean, I think it's good for what it's being used for now. But if it's a normal season, I don't know if, you know, it's really, like, if it's viable as much. But the the universal DH, I think that was going to come anyways. Because, I mean, yeah. honestly, how many of those pitchers really should have a bat in their hands anymore? It's <laughs> it's horrible. And that's coming from me. I couldn't hit. No, I, I don't know about you being horrible. horrible. I certainly agree, though, that a lot of those pitchers couldn't hit. And uh, shouldn't be hitting. And, you know, maybe also the other part of it would be, would pitchers be hitting pitchers, too, uh, with some of this bad behavior that we're seeing? 
As reflecting back on C.C. Sabathia, I kind of come back to that, too, because he's definitely been Mr. Bad Behavior. I'm looking back to the past, a guy who I was watching, I think, a show called Fastball. And by the way, they featured Chapman and they featured Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson, a long time ago, Cardinal. <laughs> have you ever you ever seen any film of Bob Gibson pitching? I actually have not. He looks fierce. <laughs> he is, looks fierce. He looks intense. And he explained that when he was, he was in the kind when you'd lean over, you see a pitcher lean over and look him long before he's going to even think about throwing that ball. He leaned in and capped down and his eyes just squinting down. He said, cause he had bad vision. <laughs> well, it wasn't a fierce look. It was just bad vision, but he wasn't the, t- he isn't the one who hit the most people out there, but he certainly did a few. It was a, during a time when banners, it seemed like to me, were getting hit a lot more often. I don't think there was necessarily the same sort of attention given. I don't think there was probably as much about concussions and such. I mean, you had guys going up to the plate with just baseball hats on, yeah, no helmet or anything. I don't think head protection was a priority at the time. No, not at all. But it's it's been interesting, and you know, I'm thinking about him. And he was he may have been a bit of bad boy. There was a few others. I think Randy Johnson, a few years from way back when. I'm looking to when I'm thinking about Bob Gibson. Remind me of a great loss we had in baseball this week, and that was Mr. Lou Brock. He was a fellow Cardinal with Bob, and Lou brought a lot to the game. He brought a kind of excitement, you know, above and beyond just being a batter. He, his batting was okay. There was years he did that was fairly good, and there's other ones where he was like mid-200s. But what he did was he brought an excitement to the game, and a lot of that came from his stealing bases. He's one, he, was, he did, for the longest time, hold the top – record for stealing bases until years later, Ricky Henderson came in and kind of knocked that out. But man, that's exciting to see. I, I don't know about you, but to me, watching a player steal bases, we had talking about the Rays again, Johnny Davis last year, watching that young man go out there and steal bases is the most exciting stuff in the world to me. And Lou Brock, Brock brought that to, uh, to fans, you know, for years and years, he's certainly somebody will be missed. And oh, here's an interesting nugget about him too. He was actually signed to uh, the Cubs initially, and his first two years weren't so great. But the guy who signed him was basically, when you think of the Negro Leagues, you think of Buck O'Neill. Buck O'Neill is the guy who actually signed him to the Cubs. And, man, to be able to touch a piece of history like that, that had to be something. And he you know, he and Bob Gibson and, and Kurt Flood all – encountered a lot of racism early on and we're not going to get into that because you can look at the history on that and there's a lot more than I can ever do justice to on the show. But these are players who had to face quite a bit of controversy, a lot of adversity and rose above it. So I want to salute Lou Brock for all he brought to the game, all the entertainment and all that he had to deal with during some different, very difficult times. So, you know, Godspeed Lou Brock wish you and your family well during these difficult times. And I want to give a shout out to them, something I didn't know, along with, you know, how we ended up in St. Louis, which maybe we'll touch on at a later time. They were interviewing Ernie Banks in this article that talked about that in the Chicago Reader, where a lot of the early black major league players, they regretted going back or they regretted skipping Mm -hmm. college to play in baseball and that they played the game because they wanted to make money to send kids to college. 
that was a big thing for them, along with Billy Williams, Willie Mays, and Hank Aaron, and that they were told that that their kids would get complete scholarships, and they never got them. So it's been sort of a running joke as I've gotten older. They see each other. It's like, hey, have you gotten those scholarships yet? And so I was like, nope, I haven't yet. That's something I didn't know is that they played for, to send their kids to college. I mean, that's admirable. Uh, that is that is very admirable, and that's certainly worth something. I think we could do a whole show on that's that's amazing and 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 sad and not surprisingly unfortunate. You know, I mean, that's surprising that they didn't go through with this. But well, maybe we can touch on that uh, in the future. But uh, again, I want to salute Lou Brock and all those who came before. All, all those that we have in, in front of us too. So enjoying the game, you know, I mean, even looking back to what you're talking about people stealing bases, you can say that's bad behavior. <laughs> it's one thing he certainly did. And uh, while not having seen Jackie Robinson steal bases, it was interesting to watch uh, Mr. Bozeman, you know, doing train that in 42, the, the uh, almost completely challenging the pitcher and, to the point of driving the pitcher nuts, probably couldn't they couldn't even focus on the on pitching the ball. But oh yeah, I, I love uh, they. I think I, they refer to Lou Brock in one place as the base burglar. <laughs> that's a cool nickname to have. Oh, I, I love it. But it's a little back look back at history, and so let's let's take a look at what's going on right now, Brandon. Can you give us kind of a rundown this past week? What's happening in Major League Baseball? All right. Well, we had a lot going on this past week in Major League Baseball. A couple or actually a lot of games postponed, but we also got a good amount of makeup games coming up as well. Start out with the games last weekend. We'll start up in the Bronx with the Rays taking on the Yankees and that being ball war, but the Rays took two out of three from the Yankees in that one. Heading out west, you had the Rockies and Giants taking on each other mile high. Very close series, this one. The first game was taken by the Giants by a score of 23-5. to And then the second game was taken by Colorado, 9-6. to Heading back to Baltimore, you had the Mets taking on the Orioles in a two-game series, both teams splitting that one. Up in Cincinnati, you have the Cardinals taking on the Reds, a four-game series, both teams splitting that one. Then down in Miami, you have the Blue Jays taking on the Marlins, two-game series, both teams splitting that one as well. We take a break from the split series as the Nationals took on the Phillies up in the city of brotherly love with the, with the Phillies taking four out of the four. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't pretty. Then you have the Cubs taking on the Pirates up in the Steel City with the Cubs taking two out of three from the Pirates. Up at Fenway, you have the Braves taking on the Red Sox with the Braves sweeping that one three games to none. It's too bad, so sad. <laughs> I feel bad, but I don't. Well, I called out the Brewers last week as one of my most disappointing teams, and they didn't do a good job of responding as in a two-game series against the, the Tigers. Up in Milwaukee, they split that series a game apiece. All that new uniforms, too. Oh, yeah. They do look good, though. <laughs> They're not playing so good, but they look good. <laughs> okay. Then in Kansas City, you had the, the Indians taking on the Royals with the Indians taking two out of three. Then down in Houston, a Lone Star State showdown with the Rangers and Astros. The Astros taking two out of three. Up in Minnesota, you have the White Sox taking on the Twins, with the Twins taking two out of three. Then in Anaheim, you have the Padres and Angels in a two-game series, both teams splitting that one a game apiece. 
Then an NL West rivalry with the Diamondbacks taking on the Dodgers, and the Dodgers sweeping that game three game that series three games to none. And then we were supposed to have a three game series between Oakland and Seattle, but that was postponed due to coronavirus concerns. And we will have a doubleheader of that series September fourteenth, and then the third game will be made up on the third. Or excuse me, yeah, the third game will be made up September twenty sixth. Heading into the weekend series, we'll start off in Cleveland with the Indians taking on the Brewers, with the Indians taking two out of three from the Brew Crew. Then the Yankees had two series over the weekend. You had them taking on the Mets in a makeup game from earlier this year, with the Mets winning that one 9-7 to thanks to a blown save by none other than Aroldis Chapman, who was appealing his suspension at the time. Then they headed down to Baltimore for a four-game series against the Orioles, with the Orioles taking three out of four. Speaking of not feeling bad. (laughs) Heading down to Atlanta, where the Nationals were taking on the Braves in a four-game series. Both teams split that one two games apiece. Heading back up to the Big Apple, you have the Phillies taking on the Mets in a four-game series. Both teams splitting that game, that series, two games apiece as well. And then up to Boston, a four-game series between the Blue Jays and Red Sox. Both teams splitting that series at two games apiece. Wow. Then a four-game series in the Steel City with the Reds taking on the Pirates, and you guessed it, another series split at two games apiece. Another four-game series between the White Sox and Royals, and guess what? A four-game sweep for the White Sox as they take that series four games to none. So no more splits. Then in Detroit, we had them taking on the Twins up in the Twin Cities with Detroit taking four games and Minnesota one out of the five games. Then we have Arizona heading out to San Francisco with the with the Giants taking two out of three in that series. Then we have across the bay, the Padres taking on the Oakland A's in a three-game series with the Padres taking two out of three. Heading up to Seattle, you had the Rangers taking on the, the Mariners in a four-game series with the Mariners taking four. Then a five-game series out in Chicago at Wrigley with the Cardinals and Cubs. The Cardinals taking three and the Cubs taking two. Then heading out west, we have the Rockies taking on the Dodgers with the Rockies taking two out of three from the Dodgers. Staying in L.A., we have the Angels taking on the Astros with the Angels taking that series four games to none over the Astros. And then closing it out here, in Tampa with the Marlins taking on the Rays, and the Rays taking two out of three. Take a look at the standings first. We'll start out in the AL, the AL East, with the Rays leading that division, 28-14, and 14, four and a half games ahead of the best team in New York, the Toronto Blue Jays, who are four and a half behind, <laughs> followed by the Yankees in third place, who are six and a half behind. Ooh. In I like the Central, best team. I'm in, sorry, I got to stop you. I, I love that best <laughs> team in New York playing out of Buffalo, the Blue Jays. I love it, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, you, continue. <laughs> <laughs> in the Central, we have a have a tie for first place between the Indians and White Sox, both at 26 and 15, a game ahead of the Twins, who are 26 and 17. Out West, the A's continue to lead that division at 24 and 14, four and a half games ahead of the Astros. The National League, we have the Braves leading the East at 24 and 17, two games ahead of the Phillies, who are 20 and 17, and three and a half games of the Marlins, who are 18 and 18. 
In the Central, the Cubbies continue to lead that division, 24 and 18, two and a half games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals, who are 17 and 16, four and a half ahead of the Brewers, who are 18 and 21. Wow. Then to close out the standings, we have the Dodgers leading the West, 30 and 12, still four and a half games ahead of the Padres, and a distant third to the Giants, who are nine games behind. And playoff matchups. We actually have those now as we're closing in on the playoffs. We'll start in the National League. Dodgers, of course, are the number one seed. They would be taking on the Marlins, who are the eighth seed. At two, you have the Braves. They take on the number seven Giants. The Cubs, they would be the third seed, taking on the number six Cardinals, which I'd love to see a rivalry in the playoffs. That would be (laughs) awesome. Always makes it better. And then in the middle matchup, you have the number four Padres against the number five Phillies. Heading over to the American League, you'd have the number one seeded Rays taking on the number eighth seeded Yankees. So pitch inside, <laughs> who knows what will happen in that playoff series. <laughs> then at number two, you have the Indians taking on the number seven Twins. It would be nice another decent rivalry. Here's a good one. Number three A's against the number six seeded Astros. Oh, that could be pretty good. And then at number four, number five, you have the White Sox hosting the Blue Jays. So if the playoffs were to start today, it's some really good matchups we'd have going on. I'd love to see some of those. I mean, especially those rivalries you were talking about. That's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's it's playoffs are so much better when you have teams that hate each other playing each other. <laughs> it just makes it so much more entertaining and fun. <laughs> It really gets the blood going. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. But that's that. Wow, well, that's some exciting stuff. I'm glad we finally got some uh, some insight on what the playoffs may actually look like. It's been a crazy, crazy, crazy season. I mean, we've gotten halfway. We're what two thirds, three quarters at this point. Well, three weeks left. I think that's what it's three weeks left of this season, the regular season. Jeez and crackers, everybody out there. Hope you're all enjoying. It's amazing. It really flew by this year. It just, yeah, it was gone. It was just here and it was gone. It's exciting stuff, Brandon. Any other insights that you can think of from the teams that we should be looking at? Uh, some surprises you might think uh, will emerge? Um, No prizes exactly at the moment. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that the Cubs have been up at the number three seed. It's, I feel like they've done it really quietly. I mean, we knew that they would be a good team, probably a playoff team more likely. But they're kind of in the same boat as the Rays, where they kind of done it relatively quietly. Right. And I thought there would maybe be four or five, but number three, that's pretty good. Especially with the first year manager. <laughs> yeah, that that's outstanding in and of itself when you think of somebody in their, their first year being able to bring that together with a team. And of course, you know, as, as long as I continue to pick on the Yankees on this show, I think it's interesting too, looking at the none of their games they still had to play are still with the Toronto Blue Jays who've been doing a fantastic job this year, period. And I think a lot of those are going to be on national TV, so definitely tune in for those. Absolutely. Well, I'd, I'd like to uh, wrap up this show here with a tip of the hat to Lou Brock and all those folks who have gone before and everything that they've done. Say thank you to all of our fans out there. Again, I'm Mark Carbett with Baseball Biz, and that's Mr. Brandon Noway. You can find him on Twitter at TheSportsBlitz1. That's at the Sports Blitz one numeric one. And you can find me at the baseball biz on Twitter. So anyway, we want to thank you guys once again for another wonderful week, looking at the bad behavior we've seen in baseball, but also looking at some real champions like Lou Brock 
and exciting times with this crazy, crazy season. So thank you all. And we look forward to talking with you real soon. Any other parting words, Mark? Uh, Mark. Any other parting words there, Brandon? <laughs> hey, was, thanks for having me back. It was fun as always. And hopefully we'll do it again next week. All right, brother. Well, take care and we'll talk with you all real soon. We at Baseball Biz would also like to thank the very special musical artist, X-Take R-U-X, for providing our music for the intro and extra rocking forward. 